James T. Harris filling in for the Jesse Kelly show. Uh, radio talker out of Phoenix, Arizona at the News Talk 550 KFYI. Jesse Kelly, good friend from back in his Tucson days. It is a pleasure to be able to sit in for him today. It's official. Afghanistan. The Americans have left Afghanistan. The gates are closed. Today's headline, last plane carrying U.S. troops leaves Afghanistan after 20 years, U.S. officials say. The Pentagon said, and I quote, we didn't get everyone out we wanted to get out. And the spokesman said it without shame. And I have to tell you, as someone who's been paying attention to politics for for years, the last eight months have demonstrated just how little shame we have as Americans, as as Democrats, really not you know, not saying that you're a Democrat. I'm not a Democrat. I'm I'm very much a conservative. But why do we have so many conservatives? Why do we have so many Republicans feeling shame? I'll tell you why. Because once again, we have a Democrat administration that has left Americans behind. And it was horrible when it happened under the Obama administration. It was horrible. When uh, Obama and Hillary Clinton, who was the secretary of state at the time, abandoned Americans in their hour of need. The military was on the way. Do you remember? And then they were told to stand down by President Obama. And surely we had an ambassador that was killed. We had forming neighbors, Navy SEALs. They were able to save many before They paid the ultimate price. Surely heads were going to roll for this, but they didn't, didn't they? They didn't. Remember famously when Hillary Clinton said at this point, what difference does it make? And we were vowing to never let this happen again. But the problem is the very people who caused Benghazi, the very administration, they're they're still in power. They're back in power. This is Obama 2.0. This is the Biden administration. And we watched as the last plane left and they said it was filled with American soldiers. But the problem is Americans were left behind. We have Americans that are still in Afghanistan. Now, today we heard from the Pentagon. And we heard from the, the State Department And I do believe that they're overestimating how many Americans are still trapped in Afghanistan. I mean, I should say underestimating. They said there's only a thousand left. They were able to get tens of thousands out. I don't believe it. And my problem is that the State Department, that the Pentagon, that the White House has lied to us so much on this issue and other issues. They're just not to be trusted. And they continue to cart out the commander in chief who doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know what he's saying. He doesn't know who he's speaking to. And so the confidence in what we hear is terrible it doesn't exist it's ebbing every day and we're only eight months into this administration over the weekend we had a hurricane hit in louisiana 
and the president. Oh, he loved this. This is an opportunity for him to talk about FEMA. This is his opportunity to talk about, you know, how FEMA is going to come to the rescue. This is under his administration. We're going to make sure that the, that the people are taken care of, even though this is climate change. This is global warming leading to this. United States, your government is there to help. He opened it up for questions, even though he said something very curious. He said, uh, you know, I'm not supposed to take questions, but, uh, but he opened it up for questions. And he didn't like the question that was asked of him. Here is Joe Biden at the podium with all of the FEMA you know, signs behind him and all of the FEMA people looking really important as they're trying to manage the storm. Here's the question that was asked. I'm not, I'm not supposed to take any questions, but go ahead. Mr. President, on Afghanistan. I'm not going to answer Afghanistan now. Can you say if they're still in a okay. risk? Holy cow. Holy cow. What just happened? Of course, the whole world wants to know about Afghanistan. Yes, we're very concerned about our fellow Americans who are suffering through another hurricane in Louisiana. But the whole world wants to know about Afghanistan. What are our plans to get the Americans out? And Joe Biden says, you know, I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed to ask any questions. But I'm going to go ahead and ask a question. You go ahead and ask your question. And the reporter is asking about Afghanistan. And what did he do? He slammed his hand down on the podium and said he's not going to take any questions. And then he turned to walk away. And he didn't even know where to walk. You see the confusion. Somebody had to come get him. I can't tell you how angry this makes me watching this man in action. I, I, I can't tell you. Watching this administration lie to the American people. Watch this administration be so cold-blooded. We have 13 families that are mourning. Can you imagine their feelings, their emotion when they're seeing the president say, I'm not going to talk about Afghanistan and throw his hand down on the podium and then walk away. This is insane. But it begs a question. Last week. Biden was telling us that uh, he is the president, that he made the decisions, he made the call. He told us that the buck stops with him. Serious question. Who are the people who keep telling the president of the United States that he can't answer questions? Who are these people? And why do these people tell him that he can't answer questions. Another question for you. Why is Biden so deferential to these people? I find this to be very weird. I find this to be very unsettling because it is obvious the buck does not stop with Joe Biden. So now we got to dig a little bit deeper. We got to pull another another layer off of the onion and our eyes are going to start watering as we begin to look at 
The people who are in charge, who was in charge of the evacuation of Americans? Who was in charge of the military drawdown? Who are these people? And why aren't their heads rolling? In the meantime, we have President Joe Biden and his uh, the first uh, the first uh, lady, his wife Jill. They're out at a a military procession as the the body of the thirteen, the bodies of our of our slain military are brought home. A solemn time. And the the military, their precision, the way that they they treat the dead. They're dead. The way they do it is so much respect. So much detail to attention. It is it's kind of amazing. And it shows you just the depth that the detail has, how how they are. The military has how they take this job so seriously. And to watch this proceeding, it was kind of um it was kind of hard because we saw the president of the United States not acting very presidential. We saw the president of the United States make some obvious mistakes and some obvious gaffes. One of the mistakes that he made was to look down at his watch as if he were checking the time. As a matter of fact, it wasn't even as if he was checking his, his watch. And I remember back in the 1990s when uh, Herbert Walker Bush was debating Bill Clinton. And in the middle of the debate, he looked down at his watch. And I remember how the media absolutely excoriated him. Said, wait, wait, you, you got some better place to be? You don't care to defend your four years? They ended up being huge and the media latched on and they just beat him to death over that. The aloof president, the old president, he's ancient. He's too old to lead fast forward to the funeral yesterday. To the bodies being brought home. To Joe Biden's demeanor. And I'm not done with this yet because I think it speaks volumes it is something that we need to seriously, seriously consider as we move forward into the unknown. We'll talk about Joe Biden at the uh, at the airport, Andrews Air Force Base, as our troops were brought home. My name is James T. Harris from News Talk 550 KFYI, filling in for the Jesse Kelly Show. I'm not I'm not supposed to take any questions, but go ahead. Mr. President, on Afghanistan. I'm not going to answer Afghanistan now. Can you say if there's still an okay. acute risk? Like this James C. Harris filling in for the Jesse Kelly show. We are talking about what took place yesterday at at uh, Dover Air Force Base. Actually, that was Joe Biden right there trying to pretend that he's leading FEMA. And he says something very curious. I'm not supposed to take any questions. And he says that a lot. And he also said that the buck stops with him. So I'm asking a serious question. Who are the people that keep telling the president of the free world that he can't answer questions? And why are these people telling him that?
Now, Joe Biden was with uh, his wife and with many other military officials at Dover as the bodies of our fallen 13 servicemen and women were brought home. The, the ceremony is just incredible. The attention to detail is awe-inspiring. And everyone has a role to play, especially when we're talking about the military, especially when we're talking about the, the, the president. I want to recommend that everyone take a chance or, or to watch a movie called Taking Chance. It shows the process of how service members are laid to rest when killed in action. The movie is extremely accurate and it's very, very powerful. Kevin Bacon is, is the, the star of this movie, and he has to escort a young soldier named Chance from the battlefield to the burial. You watch that, and you get a glimpse in the pride that comes with the military, especially when someone has fallen. And, boy, the stories that we're hearing about these exceptional young men and women the young woman who was holding an Af Afghani child in her arms and she said, I love my job. That was her last social media post. We have the president was there. We had the, the military was there. We had the, the first lady was there and all of the generals, the military press, they were saluting as the coffins marched by them. As you pan down the line, you see the military saluting, then they get to the civilians and they have their hands over their heart. So did Joe Biden. President Joe Biden. In that moment, did he think that he was a civilian? Did he think that he was still a senator? Did he not realize that he was the commander in chief? Did he not realize that protocol would have him saluting? This is absurd and I have found myself over the last eight months just being compelled to compare the, the two administrations to compare the Biden administration with the Trump administration oh I know I know the media said that Trump was a dullard the media said that Trump was orange man bad the media said that Trump didn't know what he was doing I mean the first time he ran for political office he won and he didn't expect to win it was a fluke and yet, whenever we had a soldier that, that was killed in action, President Trump was at Dover to greet the bodies every time. And he did it in secret. We didn't even really know about it until years into his administration. There's a picture, a meme up going around the Internet of... Biden with his hand over his heart or Biden looking at his watch and President Trump actually saluting these fallen soldiers. And you just have to pause and ask yourself, how did we get here? How did things change so fast? How did things fall so fast? And I'm here to tell you. It's because the Democrats are back in charge and because they have a complicit media that is supporting them, a media that is supporting Biden's every failed move. His mission was to erase the policies 
of President Trump. And so far, I'm sad to say, we could say mission accomplished. But what this administration did not expect, and maybe I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, what they did not expect was things to go so bad so fast, and they have. Things are out of control on the southern border as someone who lives in Arizona and who's in contact with many of the border patrol and sheriff deputies and even a few members of ICE. I am telling you. It's a disaster. And as bad as this disaster is, what is happening in Afghanistan is worse. I had a couple of conversations with sheriffs this afternoon. I'm going to let you know what we're dealing with on the border and what we're dealing with because now Afghanistan. My name is James C. Harris from News Talk 550 KFYI out of Phoenix, Arizona. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. My name is James T. Harris sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. It is a pleasure to sit in for Jesse Kelly. You know what? Uh, known Jesse Kelly from our Tucson days together. He used to be out in Tucson. That's back when he was a politician. I have a great appreciation for Jesse Kelly because he's the one that introduced me to the NFL app on DirecTV. I didn't know that you could watch football at the time anywhere in the country you wanted to. He, Jesse Kelly showed me this and it changed my life for a few years until everybody started kneeling. But anyway, we've got history. And the history that we share, he probably knows more about the border than most talkers because he, at a time, only lived 90 miles from it. The first time I was ever in, uh, when I moved to, to Tucson, Arizona to do radio, I had a very good friend who worked for a company called the Arizona Daily Independent. She and her wonderful husband took my family down to the border so we could watch people being deported. You know, it sounds kind of crazy, but it is interesting. It's fascinating. The gray buses that are transporting illegals and, and they got to get out of the bus and they got to walk across the border back into Mexico. It was fascinating. And my kids, well, it was one of those, those, one of those experiences that you're never going to forget. Through my job, I got to know a lot of people in Border Patrol, love their work. Uh, the people who are, who are working and patrolling the border. And it's crazy watching how, as things get progressively worse, they're still committed to the job. That's why. Under the Biden administration, when he reversed President Trump's uh, Mexico policy, it was beyond belief because it was like Biden signaled people. He signaled them, hey, help us on the way. We're almost in office and when we're here, come on, come on down. Not really, I don't think, expecting the amount of people to pour into this country that that has. But why wouldn't they? This is the greatest country in the world. This is the, the land of opportunity. This is a land of hope that is changing. We'll talk about that later in the show. But the borders now is just being overrun. I have rancher friends that live about 40, 50 miles from the border. Even before all of this, they always walked around armed. They have to because of the illegals coming across the border. 
They could be out on the land and they could see, you know, drop loads of, of drugs from the cartels. <laughs> the first thing you do is you go report it. You also leave the area. Now, I'm here to tell you that the cartels are operating on our side of the border. And don't you believe anyone who tells you they're not. And we're seeing some scary things. Back in the Obama administration, we did find the prayer rugs in the desert. Right around Patagonia. Where, as an American, you're advised not to go hiking or four-wheeling anymore because it's too dangerous. Why? Because the cartels are operating there. Now, all of a sudden, we're starting to get reports from our Border Patrol that it's not just people from Central and South America coming in here. We're getting folks over from, from Africa. I had uh, Sheriff Mark Daniels on my show today. And uh, he comes on frequently and gives us an update of what we're seeing on the border. Right now, we have the National Guard, the Arizona National Guard down there, and they're doing a fantastic work helping to to relieve the deputies, you know, some, some of the paperwork type of stuff, so they can go out and do the job. They're making a difference for the team down there, and he absolutely loves the fact that our governor let that happen. But... But he gave my audience a warning. We're being told that uh, we have a lot of uh, Middle Eastern folks crossing into the border. They're coming in through New Mexico and some ports in Arizona. I asked him, was he concerned about that? He said, absolutely. And he's been trying to warn the administration for months. But they still haven't responded. Well, now that the Americans are leaving Afghanistan, I asked him, do you expect to see that traffic? And he said, yes. And he also said, you know, we are approaching the anniversary of 9-11. Do you think that uh, uh, our enemies are aware of that? And see, this is what blows my mind. This is what blows my mind about this administration. This is how I know that they, they hate America. Wait. Under President Trump's plan, we were supposed to be out of Afghanistan already. But you see, when Biden came in, he changed the dates. He put the date at September the 11th because he wanted the photo op. He wanted to say, we're pulling out of Afghanistan on the 20th anniversary of what got us into Afghanistan. Oh, what a, that's really thoughtful, Mr. President. But then the pushback was severe. How dare you? Not on this day. And the pushback was so strong that the Biden administration had to respond. So they changed the date till August 31st. And in doing so, they, of course, didn't tell any of our allies. You know, it, that reminds me of the time when uh, Obama would be like, hey, did you know that we had this crisis? Yeah, I, I, I found about it the same time that you, I was watching TV like you. I saw it on the news. Really? And then when everything went south 
And the, the Taliban, you know, this is supposed to be a nine month process before they were able to take over. And then when it happened over a weekend. Who was that secretary of state? Uh, uh, Blinken. What did he say? This is not going to be a Friday to Monday thing. Uh, no, no, no. This is going to take a few months for the Taliban to be able to get, come into the capital city. And then on Tuesday, well, you know, there was much confusion. What? Seriously? We're watching these things and you know it. You don't have to wait to be told. The enemies of America are going to find their way to that southern border that's wide open. And anybody with any kind of common sense whatsoever knows you cannot have a nation if you don't have borders. And anybody can see that this is a prime opportunity for terrorists like, you know, the real ones, not the uh, white supremacist ones. Oh, I love that white supremacist. Oh, the white supremacists, that's the biggest problem. This is General Milley, right? The biggest problem we have in this country right now is white supremacy. <laughs> the guy who wants to get behind, you know, white rage. Of course, I want to know what leads to white rage so we can avoid what happened on, you know, the 6th. That stuff looks so stupid now. In light of what we're up against. And we had Sheriff Daniels. Again, sounding the alarm that the terrorists can pour out of Afghanistan, can pour out of Pakistan, can pour out of anywhere and make it through our borders. We have so many people who are slipping through that are not going through the process. Usually you catch them. They want to be caught. Come on, catch us. And then, you know, we'll process you. We'll give you food. We'll give you water. We'll get you pampers. Get you some baby formula. You know, get you COVID tested, maybe. Put you in hotels in Scottsdale. Put you in hotels in Chandler. <laughs> but the people who don't get caught, the people who are avoiding the Border Patrol, avoiding the Sheriff's Departments, they're the bad ones, the dangerous ones. We have countries that are emptying out their prisons. You know, once again, the very thing that the Democrats in the media just criticize President Trump for saying they're giving us their worst. He was excoriated for saying that. Oh, look, President Trump doesn't like Mexicans. Stop the madness. Now, under the Biden administration, what are we seeing? We're seeing the rest of the world giving us their worst. And no, I'm not talking about the desperate men and women and children that are coming across the border. You know, I can't be mad at them. This is an opportunity, right? The president said, come on. He's said the borders are open. I'm not talking about them, even though they shouldn't be here. I understand their desire. No, I'm talking about the people with malice in their heart. I'm talking about the gang members. I'm talking about the sex traffickers. I'm talking about the drug trafficking and I'm talking about terrorists. And the thing that frightens me almost more than anything is this. When something bad happens, this administration will gloss it over and the media will ignore it and no one will be free to connect the dots 
la, 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 la. They won't. We're seeing that right now. We're starting to see the media pivot away from Afghanistan. I thought for a moment that it would be able to, to, to hang on. Not all of them are turning away, but they're desperate because they realize Biden is all that they have. <laughs> they're not going to be able to get their agenda across the finish line with Kamala Harris. That's <laughs> just true. And that's why we're seeing an all-hands-on-deck situation with everything from Afghanistan trying to ignore the fact that we have America's left behind enemy lines to, to advancing uh, COVID with the, with the, with the, you know, the, the, the vaccine passport and all of that. We're living in a very, very strange time of transition. We're moving away from America first and we are experiencing what America last looks like again. And it's so it's almost unbelievable because we had that under Obama. Remember the apology tours. Remember, you know, the high, you know, the rise of inflation, the economy slow. And, and you had you had Obama out there saying, what's he going to do? Wave a magic wand. That was their fix for the economy. A magic wand. They told us that these things would never come back. And then within a few months of a Trump administration, all of their lies were completely exposed. Oh, it was supposed to be so hard to get a tax cut done. How did the neophyte get it done? We were only one vote away from getting rid of Obamacare. It was our own senator from Arizona, uh, Senator John McCain, with the thumbs down in the middle of the night debacle. But look how close they got to that. Look at what they did with regulations. Look at what they did with the economy. Look, it's incredible. And what we're seeing right now, even down to Afghanistan, is a reversal, trying to act like that those four years of Trump never happened. That's what we're seeing. And you know, at the end of this opportunity of sitting in for, for Jesse Kelly, the Jesse Kelly show. I'm going to have to, you know, uh, put something out there for everyone. Everyone it's sort of a call to action because we're seeing things change so fast. We're seeing things that we value in this country change so fast. This Afghanistan though, that was the blow that I think is going to have a lot of people waking up to the fact that we can't let this continue. We have a news reporter out of NBC who did a fantastic job, who's been there for 20 years, and he did a vaccine job showing just how bad things are. We'll hear from him coming up next. My name is James C. Harris. Sitting in for Jesse Kelly, this is The Jesse Kelly Show. My name is James T. Harris. I'm a radio talker out of Phoenix, Arizona, at News Talk 550 KFYI. Sitting in for The Jesse Kelly Show. Of course, we are talking about one of the big issues that's facing our nation today, and that is Afghanistan. And more importantly, not that we left. You see, the left, the Biden administration, they want you to think that we're upset because we're leaving. That's not, that's not what's going on. We're upset with how we are leaving. And one of the things that really, really royals me 
is to hear Democrats roll out and say, you know, we couldn't have done it any different. We've been in there for 20 years and it's going to be messy getting out. It didn't have to be. It didn't have to be. We know even if Trump were in charge, we still would have had the same situation. No, we would not have. That is a lie. And that's more of the covering that the media and the Democrats do to try to hide the fact that they, they, well, Biden. We had a Richard Angle. Angle. Richard Angle is a reporter from NBC, and he said some very extraordinary things. He's very, very candid. You know, last week, the thing is, well, we'd be able to get everybody out. Those in the know were like, well, absolutely not. If we wanted to get everybody out, we would not have given up our, our air base at Bagram. We wouldn't have done that. We would have escorted people out through there. If we would have been serious about, you know, getting out, uh, we wouldn't have had the secretary of state and the president on vacation at the same time having to be called back in because of the craziness. Because things went south. If we were serious about getting everybody out, we would have started that back in what? What? February, March, maybe even earlier. But yet to keep things going, yet to uh, to keep the illusion that we were on the job, even after the debacle. The administration lied to us. And told us that. Uh, that this could be done, that we will we we will get out everybody who wants to go. That was your first indication. Who wants to stay? What American wants to stay? What Afghani who grew up during the occupation or during, during the uh, you know, America being, oh yeah, I'll call it an occupation, but during America being there, who, who wants to stay? They've never worn a burqa in their lives. They've gone to school. They've gotten jobs. I'm talking about the women. Why would you want to stay for the Taliban? That's why there was such a surge in sales on burqas. As a matter of fact, they jacked up the prices knowing. That these women were going to buy this because the Taliban's coming and the Taliban doesn't play. The Taliban's going to to reinstate the old ways. We're going to hear from Richard Angle. And I'm also going to tell you what the Taliban's doing with our equipment. Can't say stolen. We gave it to them. That's been going that's going to come up at the top of the hour. My name is James T. Harris from News Talk 550 KFYI, sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. James T. Harris sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show on a radio talker out of Phoenix, Arizona at News Talk 550 KFYI. It is my pleasure to sit in for Jesse Kelly. You know, we uh Tucson guy. He had some time in Tucson, Arizona. We spent some time together down there. That's when I got to know him. He was a politician at the time and a darn good one. But, you know, life moves on. <laughs> now here he is uh, with the Jesse Kelly show. And uh, again, we both didn't. I was on radio at the time, but I am so happy that he has this platform and that he's using it in the way that he does. We're talking about Afghanistan. Because it's still so shocking to so many people that our military, that our State Department is just this corrupt. There, I said it. We've known about the corruption. A lot of people who were upset uh, that uh, President President Trump lost the election. <laughs> okay, but 
since that time, we have seen so much. So much has been exposed. We now understand just how how much corruption is in our institutions, whether we're talking about the military, whether we're talking about the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, the IRS. So we got glimpse of this under the Obama administration, but here we are. It's on full display now, and it is frightening. Because of Joe Biden, because of the mismanagement of the State Department, we are now seeing that this Afghan debacle, my goodness, some parts of it are, had to be known. Yes, you, you, come on. We have the greatest intelligence agencies in the world. You're telling me that you couldn't tell that the Afghans were on the, that the I'm sorry, that the Taliban was, was on the move? Stop it. Now we're getting disturbing information that uh, the Biden administration, you know, in their negotiations with the Taliban, they made offers to us that we didn't take. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But for right now, Richard Engel from uh, NBC News, he's been on post for the last 20 years in and around and about Afghanistan. He's covering the pullout. And the things that he's saying about it are very damaging to the Biden administration. Here is Richard Engel. Well, this has been a violent race to the exit, and uh, it is getting more and more dangerous, more and more chaotic in this last phase. Uh, We are less than 24 hours to go. And this morning there was a rocket attack on the airbase being blamed on ISIS. U.S. is coordinating with the Taliban. The U.S. and the Taliban in coordination are trying to prevent ISIS from disrupting this process. The U.S. has now conducted two strikes against ISIS, including one in Kabul. And the Taliban are saying that the Kabul missed its target and hit and killed a family. So as these evacuations, as evacuees are are trying, hoping to get on one of these last flights, the Americans are saying, sorry, it's over, the window is closed, and they're conducting this mini drone and car bomb and rocket war with ISIS right in the 11th hour. So you have a, a tremendously complicated situation where the U.S. trying to pull out, trying to pull out safely, trying to guard the perimeter, and then these last Americans, like the ones who got those text messages saying, you're just going to have to wait it out. We're, we're done. The gates are closed. They had the a good reason to leave, that they didn't get a chance to make their case, they didn't have the appropriate paperwork, are now going to face uh, a, 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 potentially a long wait. They're going to have to wait until they get their documents, until the civilian airport Let me have opens, you stop this right here. or they could potentially make it right for here. the... Make- because this guy is saying some stuff here that we, we really need to consider. Of course, the, the violent race to, to exit. It shouldn't be a violent race at all. He's telling us that we are coordinating with the Taliban. Now, they've been saying that since last week. We're buddy buddies with the Taliban. We were fighting them for a while. They were our enemies for a while. But all of a sudden, the Biden administration is talking to them like we're we're, we're good pals. And it wasn't the Taliban that attacked our people in that suicide bombing. No, no, no. That was ISIS-K. 
I remember back in the, uh, the, the, the Obama administration, they were calling them, you know, who, the ISIL? I, ISIL? <laughs> now it's ISIS-K. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the alphabet. It's sort of like LGBT, you know, the community plus. ISIS-K, ISIS-L, ISIS-Z. All these different factions of ISIS, sort of like the variants of, 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 of ISIS, the variants of Taliban, of terrorism. Those are the guys. See, those are the bad guys. And now the United States is teaming up with, uh, with the Taliban. And the Taliban, you see, they're going to help us. They're going to help us get our Americans you know, to the airport. The Taliban, right? And, and the Taliban, see, they've been working with us all a while because they just want us to be gone. And the news we're getting today is that the, the Taliban was trying to cut a deal with the Biden administration. And they're saying, look, we, if you can hold Kabul and you can hold the, the airport good for you, that'll help you get your people out. And we're learning that the Biden administration said, um, no, thank you. Wait, what? What? The, minus, the Biden administration told them that they only needed the airport. This is being reported, you know, on, a, on cable news. This is on Fox. Begs the question, would the evacuation had gone better if we controlled the whole city of Kabul? You think? Did President Biden not have the guts to use our troops to defend the city of Kabul? Was Biden afraid to defend the city for fear of casualties? Well, guess what? We got casualties anyway, and probably more because of the of the bombing. This is so infuriating. So infuriating. And now we have this reporter, Richard Angle from NBC, who's telling us just how this thing was so messed up, how this thing was so confusing. And admitting, yes, freely, yes, we are going to leave Americans behind. Absolutely we are. And then he gets down to telling the, the Americans who were left behind what their options are, Richard Engel. Richard Engel telling us that the American people are going to have to head to a neighboring country like Pakistan or maybe Iran. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry because it's not funny. Pakistan, well, we've been giving them money and they've been funding the Taliban for, 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 for decades, for years. Iran, well, we're not tight at all with Iran. As a matter of fact, they call us the great Satan too and, and they're, you know, busy trying to take out our drones and, and, you know, threaten our ships. So you're telling me that the American's choice is to either try to live under Taliban rule or escape to these neighboring countries I say that that is absurd, patently ridiculous. You know, it's hard to keep up with all of this. And if you're not into this, I mean, I have friends who are into this and we talk about it. I, of course, this is my job. I'm watching this. But there's times where I have to, you know, 
go conspiracy. What are we seeing here? Because on the surface, none of this makes sense whatsoever. On the surface, this just can't be be true. We can't have Americans who were left behind. We can't have an administration saying, you know, if you want to go for those people who want to go, you got to be here by this date. Sorry for the short notice. We can't have a military that's leaving behind hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of equipment. And when I'm talking about equipment, I'm talking about state-of-the-art weaponry and planes and drones and helicopters. No. We can't have a government where... In our country, they're trying to take away your arms. They're trying to violate your Second Amendment rights. And at the same time, in overseas war zones, terrorist territories, they're giving them weapons. What are we doing? Well, we're getting some new reports, some shocking videos coming out of Afghanistan. And I'm going to tell you what the what the Taliban is doing with our weapons, fast and safety belts. It's very, very shocking, disturbing. My name is James C. Harris. I'm a radio talker out of Phoenix, Arizona at News Talk 550 KFYI, sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. James T. Harris sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. I'm a radio talker out of Phoenix, Arizona at News Talk 550 KFYI. We talk about the issues of the day. We filter them through the paradigm of faith, family, and freedom. And that's why it's been so hard for for many Americans who try to see the world the way I do to accept what our administration is doing, to accept what they have done. We look at Americans, young Americans, who enlist in the in the services because they love their country. We see the way that they're just used as, well, as chattel. How they're expendable. And we don't want to believe it because we love this country. We have uh, uh, generals who have made horrific mistakes who are not held to account. We have generals who have been exposed and not that they didn't have, you know, accomplishments in their past. They, they did. And that's why we find ourselves so perplexed. We look at General Milley, who spent a considerable amount of time in Afghanistan and who accomplished much. But over the last few years, he's gone woke. And now is talking about things that just are absolutely just unimaginable. Purging the military of people who don't accept uh, their critical race theory, their wokeness. Now we have these military leaders. When it comes to the evacuation of our citizens, that's not on the military. That's on the State Department. And I'm not done with Secretary Blinken yet. He is a disaster. But we were told that he would be a disaster way back in 2014. Now, let me concentrate right now first on the military. Who inexplicably left behind 
so much armament. As a matter of fact, you know, you have a, a lot of folks out there, um, the Jin Saki, the press secretary, they're talking about how, you know, the military, the, the weapons that were left behind, or we still have control of some of this is supposed to go to the Afghan army. They're the ones that ran away. And by the way, a lot of people in you know the Afghan army are just furious with the because they did fight for a while, but they had all kinds of issues. And now for you to call them cowards, the Biden administration is not sitting well. But we were told, well, don't worry about it. The planes that they left behind, there's a lot of them. I mean, we gave them so much armament. They're like the size of a, of a, of a, you know, a first world country now as far as their army. <laughs> we gave them so much. Don't worry. They can't fly the planes. They don't know how to fly the helicopters. It's going to be all right. Then uh, I was talking to a congressman today, Congressman Schweikert out of Arizona. He said, okay, if they don't know how to fly it, fine, but they certainly can sell it. They can sell it to the, you know, to the highest bidder, right? That's maybe even worse, right? Latest news report. The Taliban is openly mocking us. They're flying around Kandahar. They're flying around Kandahar in our helicopters with a body attached to it, a body that had been hung. They're hanging people via U.S. helicopters. They're openly mocking the United States. They're using our helicopters to hang traitors in Kandahar, Afghanistan. This is beyond FUBAR. We've got Black Hawk helicopters, U.S. Black Hawk helicopters lynching people. This from the party that despises lynchings. This is this is absolutely astounding. And again, we are here because of rank incompetence. We are here because our military is operating on their own. It seems like we saw that under President Trump. There's reports now coming out now that he tried to withdraw troops from Syria and the military said, no, no, who, wait, what? Oh, that goes to explain a lot. Now, under the Biden administration, they're moving the timeline up and down, all willy-nilly, executing orders. And I want to say somebody else is pulling the strings. But you know what? It may be as bad as a senile old man telling a general, I know my business. I've been in this country for 47 years. I've been in the military and foreign policy. You do what I tell you to do. Get me some ice cream. It may be as simple as that. We are in for a nightmarish ride. This is the day that the the because it's, it's the 31st over there in Afghanistan. This is the day where the American the American military is pulling out of Iran, uh, Afghanistan. I'm sorry, Afghanistan. Officially, the gates have closed officially. And what do we see? Black Hawk helicopters flying around. With bodies hanging from them. People who have been hung. It is, um, well, 
it is it's just I, this is unimaginable. We've got uh, let me see. We've got uh, who is this general? A couple other generals out here. Uh, they're on TV right now, and they're trying to play. They're trying to you know, clean things up, clean up in aisle five. They're trying to to you know gloss over the mistakes that were made by other generals, uh, uh, other members of the Biden administration. They're now telling us that everything's going to be okay. They're now telling us that even after the Taliban takes control, like tomorrow, it's just going to be a few more days before they get things worked out. They got to get the airport, you know, open back up. That's going to take a little bit of time, and then the Taliban is going to be very cooperative in helping those those Americans that were left behind find their way out, and also the. Afghanis who have been helping the Americans, they're, they're going to be ushered out as well. If they say, if the Taliban is telling the truth, well, how often has the Taliban lied to us? What? Wait, how long? Wait. Exactly. So this is where we are with foreign policy. Before I let go of Afghanistan, before I do that, we got to talk about um, we got to talk about what's happening with the uh, Blinken. James T. Harris filling in for the Jesse Kelly show. I just heard that uh, the Secretary of State Andrew Blinken or Anthony Blinken. I'm sorry, he addressed the nation, and it begs the question: On the day that we're leaving. Afghanistan. Why isn't the president of the United States addressing the nation? Why are we hearing from Tony Blinken? What's that all about? Is it too late? Is it, you know, too late in the day for for Biden to be up doing this kind of talking? Is he asleep? Does he had his milk and cookies, his ice cream? Has he been put to bed? This is crazy. Anthony Blinken addresses the nation, not the president of the United States, because I guess there's been a lid put on old Joe. He's been talking all day for a couple of days in a row, not been doing a great job. But hey, and have you noticed that we're hearing more from the generals, more from uh, the, the spokesman for the Pentagon, more from the State Department and their hacks? More from from uh, uh, Jen Psaki, White House press secretary, who also was on vacation, had to come back. Less from the president, especially. In quantity. No, this is insane. And Anthony Blinken back in 2014. This video is out there. You should find it. Senator John McCain from the great state of Arizona, who, in full disclosure, I was not a fan. We've got history. Anyway, (laughs) Senator John McCain, back in 2014, did this speech on the floor of the Senate. Rarely does he disagree with any of the administration's nominees for various posts. But when Obama was trying to get Anthony Blinken into the State Department, John McCain reacted. He went to the floor and put out a almost like a 20, 25 minute speech. He went off on Anthony Blinken and he said, this man will be dangerous to our troops. It would be the greatest mistake 
to, to nominate, to put him, to appoint him. This man has a track record of being wrong when it comes to foreign policy. He has a decades long track record for messing things up. Oh, by the way, Anthony Blinken was a uh, Joe Biden's advisor for like about 30 or 40 years. Anthony Blinken was the reason why Joe Biden never got anything right because he was listening to Anthony Blinken. And now Anthony Blinken is the secretary of state and now has presided over an unmitigated disaster in Afghanistan that cost the lives of 13 of our service people. And he's on TV making excuses. Wait a minute. Anthony Blinken was on vacation when he was notified that Afghanistan went south. Anthony Blinken is the State Department that's responsible for getting uh, Americans and Afghani friendlies out of the country. He didn't do it. He sat on his hands. He was the first one to come out with the language that, you know, uh, the Americans who want to leave. He was the first one that started to plant the seeds that we were not going to get all the Americans out because the deadline, the artificial, arbitrary deadline that the Biden administration set was more important than American lives. Now he's addressing the nation. This country is being run by committee. This country is being run by a cabal. And what's so sad and what's so frightening is that all of this happened as the clock was ticking down. Our time in Afghanistan was ticking down and then we see the terrorists move in and now we're to believe that all of a sudden, magically, it's going to be stable. We're to believe that? It is just um, an amazing time that we are living in right now. And the excuses that were being made are, are being exposed. And the people who have given us guarantees, they've been exposed as, as liars. And all we need to do is just take a little bit of inventory of what has happened in the last eight months to realize that this is being done to us on purpose. The Biden administration from the very first day came out and decided that they were going to issue what was at 17 executive orders and the 17 executive orders were reversal of president Trump's policies These 17 executive orders had some doozies in there. And one of the ones that really just alarmed people was the closing of the Keystone Pipeline. Why would you do that? For the first time in like 70 years, America was was energy independent. We no longer had to rely on anybody else in eight short months. Now we have Biden talking about I'm 
demanding that OPEC produce more oil. Dude, you wouldn't have to demand anything if you didn't cancel Keystone, if you uh, didn't cancel uh, fracking, if you didn't ban offshore drilling. We lost energy independence in the last eight months. We have a re resurgent of inflation because of the wild, out-of-control government spending over the last eight months. It was bad under the Trump administration. I won't cut them any slack on that one. All of a sudden, Republicans are in office. We don't care about spending anymore. Isn't that crazy? Now it's, uh, now it's just like, sort of like a, a, you know, the Republicans and the Democrats, the, the Washington, D.C. establishment class, the Uniparty. They're both into spending. We had the eroding of public confidence in our election system. That's a doozy. We don't trust our elections. Thanks, Joe Biden. We have an exploding southern border crisis. It is out of control. I am telling you, I live in Arizona. You wouldn't believe they're taking over hotels. In places like Scottsdale, Tony Scottsdale, hotels filled with illegals who have uh, three square meals a day, cater, thank you very much, access to the pool, they can leave the grounds if they wish to. We can't hold you here. You're not in prison. That's happening all around the valley. That's happening all around the country. We have ICE. They're no longer deporting. They're actually like an Uber service. They're taking the illegals where they ever want to go. We, we, I had a friend who was on the plane here in Phoenix. <laughs> she was getting on the plane and she saw two young folks uh, Looked like they were uh, from south of the border. You know, she's, she's profiling. Yes, they had on the same T-shirt. Yes, they had on the duffel pack. And they had a, they, they had a, like a, a band on their wrist. And they were with an escort. And my friend, who's a quite bold, bold woman, she started asking questions from the flight attendant. She was pretty much told to shut up and mind her own business. Oh, really? Really? Oh, and the uh, illegals got to go on the plane first, of course. Get the choice seats. Probably in first class. That's what our, that's what our, the Biden administration does. They put the last first, the illegals first, the non-Americans first, and they kick the Americans to the curb. We're replacing education with indoctrination. We are devaluing the traditional family and parental authority. That's why you have so many parents rolling out of these school board meetings across the country. We are watching the cancel culture oppose free speech. We've got, you know, infringing on our Second Amendment rights while we're arming terrorists. We're labeling rioters and looters as peaceful protesters while labeling law-abiding citizens as domestic terrorists. All of this has accelerated over the last eight months, we have epidemic poverty. We have human trafficking. We have an explosion in violent crime. The media won't talk about it, especially if the violent crime is committed by Americans of African descent. What's that all about? We have the disempowerment of law enforcement. We're trying to defund them. We've got a woke military. 
We've got now rekindled threats of homeland terrorist attacks. And I'm not talking about white supremacy. We have widespread international distrust and disrespect because of the Biden administration. He was the one that was supposed to build back better. Remember, he was the one who was supposed to restore America in the world's mind. That's the scorecard for Biden. And it's not pretty. And we're only eight months in. Hey, Dr. Fauci had a speech today. He is uh, he's making a suggestion, not a suggestion, a strong recommendation that we do something to our kids. I'll tell you what he is talking about, what this whole COVID nightmare is up to uh, at the top of the hour. I tell you what. We're going to get into this. We're going to kind of mix it up a little bit because what we're watching in our country is absolutely crazy. My name is James T. Harris. Filling in for the Jesse Kelly show. James T. Harris filling in for the Jesse Kelly show. I'm a radio talker out of Phoenix, Arizona at News Talk 550 KFYI. It's my pleasure to sit in for Jesse Kelly. I tell you what, I'm following what's going on. Of course, like many of you, with the COVID, the COVID nightmare, the COVID scare. It's a pandemic, don't you know? Um, I've never really participated in the pandemic. Not that to say that we take COVID lightly, you don't. But at the same time, the fear porn that has been on television is absolutely crazy. Now, I have a, a friend who's a doctor. And I was talking to him uh, over the weekend, actually. And he said something very, very curious to me. James, have you had your flu shot? No, I haven't. <laughs> I don't do flu shots. He said, okay, that's fine. But, you know, some people get a flu shot and they get a different one every year. He says, why do they do that? I said, well, because of probably because of flu uh, mutates. And then you got to try to figure out which shot is going to be or should say what mutation is going to be. And they probably make a, a vax for that or, or a booster for that. And then boom, he says, you're right. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. Nobody's ever made anything of it. People get their shot or people don't. I'm like, yeah, I'm following you. So what's the point? He said, well, when we talk about COVID, all of a sudden it has a scary name, COVID-19. And instead of just, you know, going along and making some uh, a, a variant or a vaccine for the variants, they know they name it variant. Now we know about variants and they also call it, you know, the Delta variant. They These different variants. And they're and they're pushing this. You have to get this and then you have to you have to get the variant. You have to make sure you get the boosters. I said, I think I'm getting your point here. What you're telling me is that this is all marketing, that this is advertising. He said, exactly. They're selling it to you. And they're selling it through fear. Far be it from me to tell you what to do about your business. But see, that's the glory of America. We get to make our own choices, right? That's the way it used to be. I don't know if you caught the interview with uh, Brett Favre, former NFL Packer, quarterback legend, was talking about how the NFL is uh, mandating that their players get vaccinated. And he said he was uncomfortable with that. And then the news anchor just went right for the juggler. Have you been vaccinated? And Brett Favre basically said, that's none of your business. <laughs> I'd rather not respond to that. I get that. I like that. 
And he said, you know, this is the country. You get to make a free choice, right? And then the news anchor felt, you know, felt it was her obligation to re- to inform everybody that the science is sound. There's no reason to doubt. And you should run out and you should get this done today. Listen to your doctor and, and nobody get the facts. On the- wow. It became very awkward. And it's amazing to me. Because doctors like the one that I spoke to, if they say that on some type of platform, if they go public with that, they will be, well, they'll be erased. Alex Berenson, he's he's been a, a reporter that's been on this from the very beginning. And he had a very controversial tweet, well, at least to the to social media. He put out there and he said, it doesn't stop infection or transmission. Don't think of it as a vaccine. Think of it at best as a therapeutic with a limited window of efficacy and terrible side effects profiles that must be dosed in advance of illness. And we want to mandate this insanity. That's Alex Berenson. He's appeared on television. Uh, His information is solid. He has been banned from Twitter permanently. From the beginning of the COVID pandemic, former New York Times reporter, he's a New York Times reporter, Alex Berenson, has been focused on following the facts no matter where they lead. These facts are moving in a different direction from those coming from the World Health Organization or from Dr. Anthony Fauci. What's important to remember, though, is that uh, Burns, he's been he's been a dogged reporter on this and his conclusions. Well, they differ from what's being pushed on the American people. But he never deviated from the facts. That's why Twitter kicked him off. Because his conclusions did not support mask mandates and lockdowns. And for that, the tech tyrants, well, they had to. Treat him the way they treated President Trump. Remove his voice. And yet, the things he is talking about, I think are very important. And if we were had a sincere government, we would debate these. We would hear from all the doctors and let them hash it out. But that is not the objective here. They're not concerned about your health. They want you to comply. I'll give you the latest from Dr. Fauci at the top of the hour. My name is James T. Harris. Sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. You are listening to the Jesse Kelly Show. And I'm not Jesse Kelly. My name is James T. Harris. I'm a radio talker out of Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, I'm at News Talk 550 KFYI. My show is called The Conservative Circus. It's a, a morning show. We talk about the day's events. We filter them through the paradigm of faith family, and freedom. And it's my pleasure to sit in on the Jesse Kelly Show and do just that. Speaking of a family, I'm married to a smoking hot wife and I have three kids and they're grown and out of the house, which means I'm an empty nester and I really enjoy that. Thank you. I was out with my wife recently at a a restaurant 
And uh, we were sitting at the at the bar. We're bar people. We like to eat and stuff at the bar. And there was a, a woman right next to us. And we were being all friendly and stuff. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I remembered her from another restaurant that we saw. And I introduced her to my wife. And, be, she, and this woman stuck her hand out. But before she shook my wife's hand, she simply asked, are you vaccinated? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> And I'm like, this, oh, my wife, she, she, she bristled. And then she didn't answer the question. But it's like, is that where we are now? Are you vaccinated? Yeah, that's exactly where we are. As a matter of fact, we're even further than that. In some cities, they've already rolled out the vaccine passport. Right. And in other cities, they're saying that you can't be a participant in life. You can't go to the the theater. You can't go to sporting events unless you show proof of vaccination. Oh, we're there. When I tried to warn people about this a little over a year ago, I was accused of being a conspiracy theorist. Now, here we are. Uh, conspiracy you know that's that's how we label stuff now that's how we get people to stop talking about oh what are you are you indulging in a conspiracy you can no longer speculate you can no longer connect the dots now here we are in order for you to return to university some schools are mandating that uh, you get vaccinated and wear a mask we have come so far since uh, two weeks to flatten the curve. Remember that? That's what we needed. Two weeks to flatten the curve. We are now a year and what? Five months into flattening the curve. Remember when we were told that you didn't need a mask? See, that was Dr. Anthony Fauci. He said you didn't need a mask. And the reporter was going back and forth with him. You know, mask, is it because all of the schmuck that gets caught in the mask? Yes, it's not healthy for you to have all of that schmuck. And people don't know really how to handle masks. If you're not talking about the N95, then, then you know, you really don't need masks. And I remember at the time, because I was in the store contemplating, should I get this mask? And then Anthony Fauci came out and said that. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get this mask. And then he admitted to America that he lied. He admitted that he lied. And he said the reason why he lied is because he wanted the masks to go to the frontline workers. He thought it was important, more important for the frontline workers to have masks than we the people. And that's when I broke with Anthony Fauci. That's when I broke with the CDC guidelines. That's when I broke with the World Health Organization. Because they willfully, willingly lied. And if you really needed masks that bad, he was willing to sacrifice how many thousands of American people just so that the healthcare workers could have masks. That is despicable. Tell the Americans the truth. Since that time, Dr. Fauci has flip-flopped on masks. I remember a certain point in time where he said that children didn't need masks. Children didn't need masks. Why? Because children are not getting the COVID and they're not spreading it. Now? Well, even today? 
Dr. Fauci came out and talked about, you know what, how the children do need to wear masks. Here is Dr. Fauci. Or maybe not. (laughs) Dr. Fauci came out and he's talking about in order for kids to go back to school, they need to wear uh, the the, the mask in order to protect the, 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 the teachers. You know, things are so backwards now. There used to be a time in this country where our values were to protect the young, where we had older people who sacrificed for the young. Defining decency down, that's uh, Senator Patrick Moynihan. He's a liberal Democrat from New York. He coined that phrase in 1993. Back then, it was considered provocative. Now we are actively defining decency down, especially when it comes to this new state-run religion called COVID. Right here in Phoenix, we had a, a friend, Dr. Don Siegel from Arizona State University. He noted that this new religion features a variety of deviant behavior, including mandatory social distancing, masking policies, new math, and rejection that the belief that, that, that God gave many of us an incredible immune system. Now, when Moynihan first introduced defining decency down, he was he was talking about crime. He was talking about the dis- disappearance of the traditional family. What was once considered deviant, antisocial, aberrant is now considered perfectly acceptable behavior. Don't believe me? Well, check this out. Drag queen story time. Yeah. Dr. Siegel said that we are we are becoming rapidly becoming the United States of hysteria. And this whole thing started with the whole flatten the curve. And now it's ending with Biden and inflation. It's all connected. The curve that was flattened was the growing economy and a whole lot of more flabby curves turned COVID-19 into a, a COVID-50. We're talking about all this being part of the new religion. And this new religion, the chief sacrifice is our kids. In a normal world, adults and the elderly sacrifice for the young. Instead, now, the young and the healthy have been forced to make unwarranted and unnecessary and monumental sacrifices for their elders. If the young among us resume normal activity they're accused of displaying bad behavior think about your grandma you don't want to kill grandpa all semblance of normal educational experience has been stripped away by government authorities we went from leave no man behind to hey see you later What we're watching here is really completely backwards from the values that made this a great country. 
I mean, in any other time, this would sound like a passage from George Orwell, but it isn't. This is the world fashioned by Fauci. And we all see what's happening. Well, maybe not all of us. But believe me, a lot of us are hearing and seeing what is being generated by Big Pharma and the teachers unions. Two groups that distinctly do not care about the greater good as much as they care about the bottom line and teachers' useless online class in their basement. This new religion is telling us to follow the science when in reality they want us to follow them off a financial and spiritual cliff. I'm not having it. Not doing it. But there are a lot of parents and there are a lot of individuals that are being pressured into it. This is not normal. As a matter of fact, I like to say that history doesn't repeat, history rhymes. And what we're seeing right now reminds many people of the the rhythms that were rolling throughout Europe in the late 1930s. History is rhyming again, and we're watching America and Americans be corralled into actions that they don't want to take. It's not a good thing. I have more for you on the COVID um, vaccine mandates that are sweeping the country. My name is James T. Harris, and I am filling in for The Jesse Kelly Show. My name is James C. Harris, sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. I broadcast out of Phoenix, Arizona, on News Talk 550 KFYI. Jesse Kelly and I go way back, way back, to the time where he lived in the old Pueblo. (laughs) He fashioned himself as a politician back then. I think that he's made the right choice. Politicians are part of the reason why we are in the shape that we're in today. It's hard for me to get over what we've experienced in the last year. It's hard for me to wrap my head around it. It's hard for me to accept that we've lost so much of the Constitution. It's hard for me to to look at the COVID response, the government response, the local, the state governments, the locals, the 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 fear mongering. The forced compliance is hard for me to deal with this. It's hard for me to watch government shut down small business owners, but allow for the big box stores to stay open. And universally, look at look at the companies, the, the small businesses that got attacked. Restaurants. Uh, weight rooms. Gyms. Water parks. State after state, the same script given to us by the CDC. A one-size-fits-all garment. A, 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 a puzzle where everything is the same shape. Then, of course, when mistakes started to happen, when people start to die because of these government mandates, we see the same action, cover-up. Governor Cuomo, 
He didn't get drummed up because of the 15,000. Oh, I'm sorry. There was a correction last week. They were saying that there were far more people that died in nursing homes because of Andrew Cuomo's policies. Oh, Governor Whitmere, Michigan. The same thing. She hasn't been held to account yet. They won't be. None of them. Oh, this is a conspiracy. No, it's not a conspiracy. It's part of the CDC guidelines. And now that we have damaged people. Now, now we've moved on to the mask mandates. We have to go back to masking after you were promised. You were promised that if you. If you. Got the vaccination, you wouldn't have to wear the mask. And now you're back to being forced to wear a mask. I am telling you. This isn't about health. (laughs) It's not about health. And a lot of people, you know, they don't want to think otherwise because then it really doesn't make sense, does it? The mandates. I see some people driving down the street in their car and they're wearing a mask. I I try not to. I try not to laugh. I should kind of shake my head. There's so many experiments that you could do. There's so many things online that shows the ineffectiveness of a of a mask. It's like me throwing a little penny at a chain link fence, thinking that the, the, the fence is going to keep it out. Here, if you want to know what this is all about, there was a guy, a man on the street interview done in Canada. This was last July, July of 2020. They rode up on the man on the street and they asked him, What's with all of these, the the mask mandates? And this guy laid out this video age so well. He's talking about things that were going to happen. This is last July that were going to be happening this month of this year. Here he is. Don't need a mask. A mask is about compliance because they know Canadians like to do what they're told. So if they tell you you have to wear a mask, next they're going to tell you you have to contact trace. Then they're going to tell you you have to take the vaccine. And because Canadians like to do what they're told, they're hoping that everyone just complies. And then guess what, kids? Once you take your vaccine, like a dumb person that doesn't know any better, they're going to tell you, sorry, the vaccine isn't as effective as we thought it was going to be. So now you still got to wear your mask, still got to get contact trace, still have all the restrictions and social distancing and still take your vaccine. And then what did you get out of all of this? You got a whole year where you weren't allowed to travel. Your business was closed. They took your rights and freedoms. They forced the vaccine on you. And what happened? The same amount of people died. Everything is the exact same. And now they're going to put you back on lockdown and bring it all the way till July of next year so they can do the same thing again. Bring you from July, August, and September, getting you off lockdown, but just to bring you back on lockdown again. If you idiots haven't figured it out yet, it's a perpetual cycle that you never get out of. And it's a way to take your rights, your freedoms, close your business, take your wealth, Why? So you become dependent on government. Why? If you're independent, the government works for you like it's supposed to. If you depend on the government to give you a paycheck to feed your family every month because they closed your business on you, now the government doesn't work for you. The government rules you. So instead of a middle class, we have the government, upper class, and the lower class dependents that rely on the government to survive. In other words, we have a slave class. And that's what they're trying to do. It's that simple. It's that simple. Yeah, what that guy said. In July of 2020, he laid it all out. 
This is not about your health. This is about compliance. He laid it all out. He said, first, they're going to give you a vaccine. And then, oh, the vaccine doesn't work. So then get another vaccine. He talked about that over a year ago. Somebody proved him wrong. What, where, where did he get, what did he get wrong? He didn't get anything wrong. And how much of our freedoms have we lost since COVID? I have three kids. One of them lives in California. And boy, are they under pressure. The city, the city government calls him three times a day because the records show he hasn't been vaccinated. Wait, what records? Wait, what? I have another young man whose whole world was turned upside down. The things that he had planned to do, the things that he had laid out, he realizes he can't do it anymore because Every different country he used to be a travel photographer. He goes and they have these different mandates. He can't go right now. I wouldn't leave the country right now. I'd be very, very nervous to do it, especially doing that type of work. My daughter's at university. One of a, a good university. They didn't have any mandates whatsoever. No vax mandates until today. Now they're being told to mask up again. It's about compliance. The question is, when are we going to stop this mess? Afghanistan, the United States withdrawed today. We're going to talk about that and what it means. My name is James C. Harris. Sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. My name is James C. Harris. You are listening to the Jesse Kelly Show. I'm a radio talker out of Phoenix, Arizona. News Talk 550 KFYI. My show, The Morning Circus. The Conservative Circus is heard in the morning. The Conservative Circus. Morning show. We talk about faith. We talk about family. We talk about freedom. All of that is under attack right now in our country. Now, we saw it with the, with the, the military leaving Afghanistan. Today's the day. They're headed out. And they're leaving Citizens behind. It's mind boggling. We left hundreds, possibly thousands of U.S. citizens and thousands more of Afghan allies behind. Before Biden, Americans generally didn't do that, although we have to throw Obama in there with Benghazi. Leaving Americans behind is a Democrat thing. But we shouldn't be surprised. Biden has been turning his back on Americans and, and cold-bloodedly selling his soul for money for decades. To China, to the Ukraine, to Pakistan, to Costa Rica, to Russia. That could explain why he clearly has no soul left to give the American people, even for a few minutes. This weekend was another just almost inconceivable blunder on behalf of the, of the president who, uh, as the bodies were being taken off of the plane at Dulles Air Force Base and the military was performing their service, was caught checking his watch to see what time it was. When the military brass were saluting the 13 fallen soldiers, 
it seems Biden forgot that he was commander in chief. He put his hand over his heart like a civilian, like he was still a senator when he, as commander in chief, is supposed to salute as well. What are we watching? We've got a long way to go, a long time. We're only eight months in. Hopefully we will survive President Joe Biden. But I got to tell you, after watching him check his watch while the rest of the world was 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 watching the caskets. All I could think was I would trade this cold blooded just. um, I would play trade this cold blooded individual. For a few mean tweets any day of the week. Boy, I sure wish we had Orange Man Bad back in office. I would venture to guess that the families of the fallen probably feel the same way. America. This beacon on a hill. This uh, uh, land of the free and home of the brave. We're losing our freedoms and we're losing our bravery, but this country is still so desirable. Millions of people are on their way to get in here. They're walking through the southern border. And we were told by the American people, by the elite, that this country is racist. It's amazing to me. Some of the most successful Americans of African descent in this country, the LeBron Jameses, the Oprahs, the Obamas, are the first to criticize this country, to tear down this country. I think this was part of the fundamental transformation that was promised to us. We were doing so well as a country, especially when it comes to race relations. What? We embraced Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s vision. We truly were striving to judge people by the content of their character, not the color of our skin until Obama. It started with uh, Skippy Gates being arrested. This is the professor from Harvard who locked himself out of the house. And he and, a, and, a, and another individual were trying to get in and the neighbors were worried. They didn't know it was Skippy, so they called the police. And then he threw a fit. That's when Obama went out and addressed the nation and said that the police, Officer Crawley, acted stupidly. Remember that? That ended up being a beer summit in which Obama just walked down the steps, you know, all ahead of everybody else. His good friend Skippy, he's on a cane, he was limping, and the white Officer Crawley helped him down the steps. I'm like, look at this. Under the Obama administration, we had Eric Holder. We had the Trayvon Martin case. We had hands up, don't shoot, which was a lie. And every single time we had the we had the Justice Department with Eric Holder rolling into people's communities, investigating the police, trying to federalize the police. We didn't know it at the time, but that's what we're watching. We see this poison in our military where we have woke generals talking about, I want to teach our white people not to, be, to have white rage. We want to, we want to purge the military of, of uh, white superiority. We have too many white supremacists among us. 
critical race theory is invaded the military, invaded corporations, invaded schools. But here's the thing. The parents kind of caught on. And they're pushing back. You know, for this kind, <laughs> this country is just amazing. The left in this country, they want to say that it is Republicans, it is Trump supporters that are the new Taliban. They want to talk about January 6th as an insurrection. They want to say that Trump supporters or anybody that questions the validity of the election, you know, the, they're the new terrorists. They're the new Taliban. Meanwhile, today, in donated American Black Hawk helicopters, notice I didn't stay stolen because the military just up and left them there for the Taliban. We had the spectacle of American helicopters flying around Fallujah, I believe it was, flying around cities in Afghanistan with dead bodies tied to them. The people who were hung, you know, lynched for being traitors. They attached them to helicopters and they're flying around the city. And the left accuses us of being like the Taliban. It makes me so angry because that's how depraved these people are. You want to talk about Trump derangement syndrome. You want to talk about derangement syndrome. That's what we're, that's what we're looking at. And the people in charge have accused us of the atrocities that we're seeing laid out right now. I hope that it just exposes their hypocrisy. But what people need to understand is that we still live in a land that is so desirable that people are risking their lives to get here. Critical race theory has, is destroying the military. Critical race theory, it is destroying our government. You know, President Trump tried to, to get rid of the whole thing. But as soon as he's out of office, that's one of the things, you know, that uh, Joe Biden also, you know, he, he killed the kill and brought it back. Parents, though. It's important for the future of this nation, of this republic, that parents get involved and begin to push back against the critical race theory that's being taught to their kids. And this is a government run school thing. When parents do push back on it, uh, they get lied to by school boards. They get lied to by the teachers union who are heavily invested in this propaganda. I want to talk to you about that because we can look around and we can see what CRT has done to so many institutions. It was left alone for a very long time. It's one of the few silver linings that have come out of COVID because the teachers didn't follow the science and close the schools because they went to Zoom classes. The progressive agenda was exposed. And parents began to understand why, why their kids didn't love the country and were pushing it back against their authority.
we started to understand why little white kids were guilted into thinking that they were responsible for their grandfathers and great-grandfathers and great-great-grandfathers' sins, and little black children were made to believe that they were useless, they couldn't do anything without the white liberals' help. Critical race theory. It's been exposed. But what Americans need to understand, what parents need to understand, is your job to protect your kids from this despicable, anti-American, godless philosophy agenda. And I will tell you how my parents did that very thing for me and my sister over, should I give away my age? 50 years ago. (laughs) My name is James C. Harris. I'm a radio talker out of Phoenix, Arizona. News Talk 550 KFYI sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. My name is James T. Harris. I'm a radio talker out of Phoenix, Arizona at News Talk 550 KFYI. It's my pleasure to sit in for the Jesse Kelly Show all across the nation. You have parents that have discovered that their kids are being indoctrinated. So what are they doing about it? They're going to school boards. It is now a thing. It's beyond a trend. Parents are very, very concerned. You're messing with their kids. There have been some very articulate people who have, uh, who have addressed these school boards and their videos have gone viral. Parents have begun pushing back. And the pushback is happening because we have so embraced the vision of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said, I want my children to be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Suddenly, parents are understanding why their own kids were holding them in such extreme contempt they were being taught to. I had my own experience with a critical race theorist, an advocate recently. Now, my kids are grown, but I still go to a, a few school board meetings in the community to state my objections to teaching critical race theory in the classroom. And one board member accused me of being Stephen, the house slave from the movie Django Unchained. She told me that I needed to honor my ancestry by liberating myself. What? What? Yes, she did. Called me out. See, she suggested that I was a tool of hate groups. And I was only encouraging parents to get involved with their kids' education to, in order to, to get approval from my white audience. Oh, yes, she did. She said I was suffering from a deep generational trauma, which she called uh, the, the post-traumatic slave syndrome. <laughs> That's laughable. None of that is true, of course. If I'm guilty of anything, I'm guilty of being sheltered from race when I was growing up. My parents are from Mississippi. Once a year, we used to travel down there as kids. This is in the 60s. My father would get up about 10 o'clock at night. Mama would have the car packed up, have lunches packed. We'd jump in the car. And the, the mantra was, the vacation does not start till we get there. It's the Harris tradition. We would drive straight through Illinois. That was the worst. That was the longest part of the trip. Then we would get into the south, and then when we got there, the vacation started. We never stopped in motels. 
One time we would stop at like a restaurant to get food and stuff and we would play a game called Magic and my sister and I would cover our eyes and then mom would say, okay, open your eyes and we open. Where's dad? He disappeared. Oh man, where's dad coming back? Okay, put your head down, count to 10 and then boom, dad's there with food. Magic. It wasn't until years later that I realized that there was no Harris tradition. What there was was slavery. I'm sorry. Uh, what there was was, was uh, uh, racism. And my parents were trying to protect us from the Southern, southern culture, culture that was deep in slavery. So they told us was the Harris tradition. They told us that, uh, that uh, the vacation starts when you get there. That's because we couldn't stay in motels. They were segregated and we couldn't go into restaurants because blacks had to go around the back and my parents didn't want us to see that. We used to play a game called guard duty where my parents would go to sleep and my sister and I would have to stay up and we'd have to watch if anybody approached the car, we would have to wake them up. Guard duty. <laughs> it wasn't until much later when I was driving my smoking hot wife and my firstborn to Mississippi with mom in the backseat, I was telling my wife she wanted to stop. I said, no, it's the Harris tradition. We don't stop until we get there. She's like, why? That's the way we always do it. And my mom told me that's the way we, we had to do it. And then she explained everything and it was like the scales fell off of my eyes. I don't have that chip on my shoulder. I don't have that Black Lives Matter rhetoric. I don't have any of that because my parents raised me to have no bitterness, no anger, with love for all and malice towards none. And that's exactly what parents are doing today. The parents of today that are going to these school board meetings, they're going there. Because they're trying to protect their children from the racial angst, from the cups of sorrow, from the bitterness that really is not their experience. You have parents going to these school board meetings because they want their kids to live their life and their experiences, not the, the past or the manufactured past by these Critical race theorist. We have a shared history. We need to get our schools back and teach that shared history. Oh, I could go on about that. But our time has come to a close. I really appreciate Jesse Kelly. I've known him for, for years and it's been my honor to sit in for him. Once again, my name is James T. Harris. I'm a radio talker out of Phoenix, Arizona. News Talk 550 KFYI. My show is called The Conservative Circus. I hope you check it out sometime. Until we meet again, good night.